From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 191. Today's show is brought to you very kindly by Pingdom, PDF Pen 10, and Simple Contacts. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined across the oceans and airwaves by Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. We're, we're, we're an ocean and a large landmass apart, but uh, the magic of technology puts us together. Every week, except when I'm not here. We have a hashtag snow talk question today that comes from Matt. And Matt wants to know, what podcast, if any, will always jump to the top of your queue when released? And is there any podcast that you will interrupt your currently playing podcast to begin? The Flophouse, the Flophouse, the Flophouse, the Flophouse. So if you're listening to, I don't know, ABC Technology Podcast... You... Uh, uh, yes, well, so I, I listened to, I, I listened to a, a similar uh, uh, letter alphabet themed podcast called oh, the, the FNR, the ATP. Oh, oh that one. And, okay, yeah, yeah. And um, I, uh, I that and that usually jumps to the top of my list when it pops in. I was listening mm-hmm. to that, and then on Saturday the new Flophouse episode came out, and the Flophouse episode gets priority and then i'll get back to the boys of the alphabet themed podcast atp alphabet themed podcast um when when done with the flop house but the flop house is is a higher priority so i do have a high a higher priority for a couple of podcasts not Mm. too many but a handful and the the highest priority is the flop house i don't have any show i think that i would interrupt for like a yeah, I, I, it will just stuff will just go next. I don't like to jump from show to show very often, um, unless it's like I'm listening to something that I don't enjoy partic- particularly. Like I'm just listening to something because I have nothing else to listen to, or I'm listening to something for research or something like that. You know, which I, which I will do sometimes. Um, if it's a show that is in my usual rotation, I won't interrupt it for anything. Um, but I will answer this Snow Talk question today, too. Um, and for me, it's two shows, either The Adventure Zone or My Brother, My Brother, and Me. They will immediately go next. They, like Both of those shows will go straight to the top of my priority queue. Um, many shows, you know, I'll move around, you know, and maybe they'll go underneath the Bim Bam or whatever. But these two shows, as soon as they come out, they're immediately the next ones that I'll listen to once I'm finished. Um, with whatever it is that I'm currently listening to, because they are my favorites. So that was a good question. I like that one. I like yep. talking about podcasts that I enjoy. I'm sure that you do too. Um, sh- spreading the love. These these are all great shows, by the way. These three shows that we've chosen, and it is kind of funny uh, that they are all Max Fun shows. Um, so that's great. They make great stuff, and it's all just nice stuff to listen to. So. You can go check those out. Put links in the show notes for those. But we should do some follow-up. I do want to thank Matt for sending in his hashtag SnowTalk question. You can do the same. Just send out a tweet into the world with the hashtag SnowTalk, and it will pop into a document. So I have one element of follow-up for this week, Jason. Um, Last week in hashtag AskUpgrade, Noel wrote in to ask for a replacement for iTunes that would be simpler just to play uh, their music. They didn't want to have all of the other cruft that comes with iTunes. And we actually got quite a few suggestions, and they vary from this looks like open source to this was very nicely designed. Uh, that's kind of the, the variance of which uh-huh. these applications look like. Um, so we got Paul, who recommended an app called Fubar 2000. Thomas recommended Vox Player. 
and John recommended Tiny Player and Swinzian. And I will have shown uh, links to all of those in our show notes, which you can find in your podcast player or at relay.fm slash upgrade slash 191. These are actually all pretty decent-looking applications. We had a few mm. more suggestions than this, but I kind of whittled them down to what I thought looked worth recommending um, or actually had what looked like actively developed Mac apps. Um, uh, don't use the word recommending. <laughs> Okay, let's say... Uh, I don't... I, I'll, I'll say I, don't, I have yeah, not I tried can't. any of these mm-hmm. apps. Looking at the screenshots, I don't recommend any of them. But if you are so hateful of iTunes that you absolutely must um, replace it with something, anything, anything, give them a try and maybe one will work for you. But I looked yeah. at them and I thought... Like, one of them reminds me of what... Um, what Sound Jam was before they made it into iTunes that looked about as functional as that. That's what and I another think that one, was what I meant as open sourcey. I think was yeah, kind of uh-huh. was and, forward that. And, and another one that seems to be pretty proud of its its sophisticated design. I looked at it and I thought, oh, who designed this? Um, but hey, you know what? Uh, everybody's got their priorities. In fact, one of these apps points says that one of its key features is that it is not iTunes. Mm-hmm. So I think that says it all. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really are just trying to get a music player app and you don't want to use iTunes anymore, um, give them a try. Yeah. But um, I don't endorse any of them. I haven't tried them. And in looking at them, I don't think I would like them. But um, they're there if you, uh, if you need something. The problem is that iTunes, as I've said, I think I said last week, iTunes just took the oxygen out of the, out of the room, right? Because it's so huge that... Um, there, it's hard to build a business, so then it becomes like a labor of love mm-hmm. for somebody who really wants to do a music player that's not iTunes. And in a lot, a lot of cases, then you've got one person who they care a lot about it, but you know, it's still just one developer with not much of a user base doing it out of love more than anything else. And uh, that's tough. That's a tough situation to be in. So I would change my phrasing uh, from recommended <laughs> to suggest. I suggest. Like if if you are looking for something by like listeners. this, that's fine. Recommended by <laughs> listeners, listeners Paul Thomas and John. Uh, it sound it's Paul Thomas and it's very close. We're very close to getting a Beatles ensemble here, but that that didn't happen today. Um, so yeah, I thank you to everybody that wrote in about that, and and I hope Noel that that uh, that that's satisfies what you're looking for. Um, especially they're not iTunes. We know that much. So, Jason, I have a, a small handful of upstream articles for you this week. Okay. Netflix is making a documentary series about BuzzFeed. It's called Follow This, and each episode, which will be around 15 minutes long, will be following journalists as they uncover and report on specific stories. Um, it's a 20-episode series debuting on July 9th. Uh, this is, I think, from looking at some articles, this 15-minute thing this is new for Netflix to do something short form. Um, and so that, you know, that's going to be something to keep an eye out for. It's not necessarily from what I can understand. It's not like um, The Office or something, right? They are just, com- th- this documentary will be like following a journalist as they explain a thing that they are writing about, right? So it, I don't I don't think that we're going to start to see, I don't know, drama between the journalists right i don't think it's about that um it's just kind of like how a story is uncovered and how it's developed and kind of what you learn at the end of it yeah i i was gonna say it's like cops except for journalists yeah i guess Um, so (laughs) 
it's it's a little like that. Just showing that the job, um, you know, this is what happens. Yeah, so it's you're you're you know thrilling in the watching a reporter um, reporting on a story, mm-hmm. and so it's also I think theoretically educating you about that story. Um, I think this is really interesting. It's it's a uh, BuzzFeed trying to get you to. It's good PR for BuzzFeed, right? Because it's trying to get you to think of BuzzFeed as a legitimate news outlet and not just a Which place that it, makes. It listicles. seems like that they are becoming right. Like I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff oh, about they are, them yeah. where you know they are considered this now, and I think it's the 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 individual that owns BuzzFeed is like really focused on news and uses the kind of fun side to pay for the news side is that right like i think i've read stuff like that before i think there's a lot uh, a lot of buzzfeed that that is the idea is they 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 have a lot of volume from a lot of silly things on buzzfeed and then they also have a serious news operation and because buzzfeed tech is no joke either right like they 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 get they get top tier uh access to big companies and they break good stories um it's just always funny when you see any article on BuzzFeed because of what it's surrounded by. Like it's always just a kind of weird experience sometimes and you like go to read this like good article and it's like, take this quiz to find out which saved by the bell character you are. Uh-huh. Um it's it's always they live a little side bit by side. And it mm-hmm. as they should, I say, Jason. As they All right. should. Uh Comcast is trying to buy Sky TV. Um a new challenger appears. We've spoken about this uh recently in regards to Fox because twenty first century Fox, before they're gonna be bought by Disney, are trying to buy Sky. Um and it from I can't work out what the kind of idea behind this is like it i think it seems like now that the company that is trying to buy sky will be the one that is left after um disney buys 20 like the the sale is complete with 21st mm. century fox you remember we spoke about like there was like a news company that was going to remain afterwards I think it's that right. one that's trying to buy Sky. It's a little yeah. tricky because it's all up in the air right now, right? And obviously Disney can't stake a claim to this thing until the sale is actually... So who knows? But from what I can ascertain, it seems like it is the Rupert Murdoch-owned 21st Century Fox that is trying to buy Sky. Uh, Rupert Murdoch owns a large part of Sky as it is anyway, so I think he's just trying to secure himself a business post-Disney. Um, right. But now Comcast has come in and made a $31 billion offer. Um, this deal is it gives a 16% higher premium to shareholders than the offer from 21st Century Fox. And they are matching all of the claims that 21st Century Fox is matching, which is stuff about like ensuring Sky News that will be uh, fully funded for 10 years, stuff like that. So Comcast seem very serious. As of now, Sky have not increased their offer. Um, so who knows how this is going to go, but if this is going to be purely on highest bidder, uh, Comcast may be the one to snap up Sky TV. And Amazon is raising the price of Prime for new subscribers from $99 to $119. So obviously, as we've spoken about recently, that includes all of the other stuff that you get with Prime TV, or depending on how you look at it, it includes Prime tv along with all the other stuff that you are buying uh but right. it, you know it is worth noting this because now if you you know if you want to get amazon you've got to pay 119 dollars a year like that is a that is your barrier to entry now that is a price point increase if you want to get the shows that are on uh prime tv right 
What's a, what's one of the good shows on Prime TV right now? Oh, uh, well, they're they're coming up with new stuff because they've got their old stuff is not commercially appealing enough. Like they want an, what a, a Golden Globe for Mozart in the Jungle, and I really like Red Oaks, which is a comedy on there. They have Bosch, right. which is sort of a a cop show procedural kind of thing. The Man in the High Castle. Um, there's a bunch the of the man in the high castle. I think the was, tick, was their the show like. that maybe yeah. broke into the mainstream the most, right? Yeah, and that was because they very aggressively marketed that show. Um, right. But yeah, I think I think all of their other stuff with Amazon, it does tend to be a little bit more niche in some way than than Netflix. I feel like Netflix tends to make content which is a little bit more widely appealing uh, with their originals. But I, but as you say. Amazon are looking to change that, right? They want to. They want to go big now. They want to get bigger than that. Yeah. Are. So if you're if new subscribers starting May 11th will pay 119 a year, um, and renewal starting June 16th will pay the new fee. Uh, your current payment will not increase, but when you want to renew, when your year is up, it's going to cost you more. You're going to go up to 119. Right. Yeah, which is basically, um, you know, ten dollars a month. Yeah. And what's funny is they currently offer a. A standalone video option for um, nine dollars a month. Oh God! <laughs> why that's would you gonna, do that? I mean, I, I, I well, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, they did. They did it because they did it for people who wanted to. I think it was a psychology experiment. Basically, it's like yeah. it's more money over the course of a year, but it allows you to buy in and only pay monthly instead of paying annually. And oh. it makes people feel like, oh, I don't want to be in I Prime. Forget. I just want the videos. But it was yeah. a weird kind of combination because you could save money by just buying a year. Um, it, right. But you, know, but but, you, you, you know, have to pay that money up front. $9 a month is way easier than a one-time payment of $119, like for a lot of people. You know, like it's it's way easier to be like, oh, I'll just give them $9 a month. Then here's $119. Like $119 right. is an amount of money you have to like – you have to put that aside, right? Like you have to think about that for a moment. Where like nine dollars is way easier. There's apparently also a monthly Prime option. And it's the same thing. It's actually more expensive than yep. the annual Prime, uh, but they make it available. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they if they raise the video the video price. And there is a question of like, would there come a time when Amazon would consider unbundling? Um, the video service from the rest of Prime, I think not. I think that they want to just have, they want to own you, right? They want you in their world. And this is, we talk about Apple having an ecosystem that they try to get people inside. This is this is how Amazon does their ecosystem is they throw everything into Prime and say, you just, you just need to pay us to, to do Prime. And honestly, you know, there are these reports that this stuff costs way more the, the Prime is not a profit center unto itself for for Amazon. It is a way to open a door for the profit to come in on increased orders and you know increased uh, you know we'll choose Amazon over other possibilities because I've got Prime now and so the shipping is free and all of those things because they they do lose money in, on Prime when you look at shipping and all of that. Um, but you are creating a, a loyal customer, and that's where you have your advantage. So, um, you know, this is that—that's the game that they're playing here. Philip in the chat room is pointing out something about Amazon, which we get pointed out to every time we talk about Amazon, um, which is that one of the reasons, or the reason, that 
Amazon offer video standalone is for countries that don't have Amazon no, in them, but I don't think that's the reason. That's not no, they they introduced standalone in the US. They didn't introduce it because it's outside of the US. Yes, they may have done it for other places, but they also yes. offer it in places where they do the shipping thing. So like yes, they you know, who knows? The reason that they may have initially created it was for that, but they do offer it everywhere. Um, even in places that yeah. don't have Amazon proper, right? Yeah, and it, it's not. Yeah, it's not accurate. A- Amazon made a very specific decision to roll out a monthly video-only option long after the fact in the U.S. Yep. because they wanted to have this kind of other, you know, don't commit to a year, try it out, don't feel like you're getting everything on Amazon because there's a psychology of like, well, I don't order things on Amazon, but I want to watch this show, and they'll they'll say, okay, we have a thing for you, even mm-hmm. if it economically uh, is not does not make a lot of sense yep. it, it psychologically can can feel better to be like oh, i don't want to pay for the shipping thing i'm not going to get the shipping thing it's like fine you pass more and you don't have to have it <laughs> like okay that's that's weird um but yes of course there are lots of places where amazon doesn't offer prime shipping and in those markets they offer prime as a standalone video service essentially yeah, I just wanted to mention it because every time we talk yeah. about this, we always get it. I know. <laughs> Literally every time we talk about Amazon Prime, people say, "Did you know that overseas, uh, outside the U.S. and uh, and the U.K. and some other markets where Prime shipping exists, it's just a standalone video service?" And the answer is yes. We just don't mention it every single time because yeah. it was the, it was the Grand Tour is what they did it for. The Grand Tour was coming, and like a week before, yeah. it just popped up like all over the place, which made a lot of sense because. I'm, I would love to know how much money they paid for that show because I bet it was a lot of money. Um, I'm sure it was, but I bet th- I bet they got there. I mean, you, you make that decision thinking, well, yeah, but we're going to get this back in subscribers mm-hmm. and, and uh, visibility. They probably time. did. And it's I mean, not even. I don't know yeah. what the Grand Tour is doing now, but at least when it started, I right? Like, I, I bet they picked up a lot of people just for that first episode because nobody, you know, n- people didn't know what it was going to be like. Um I didn't enjoy it is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like shrouding it. I don't like the Grand Tour. I love Top Gear. Didn't love the Grand Tour. Should just mention, Jason, before we take our first break, that at the end of the show today, we're going to be doing a special mic at the movies because a big movie came out. Uh, <laughs> they they, they happen sometimes with no no warning. Uh, we're going to be talking about a Avengers Infinity War, obviously, uh, at the end of this week's show. It will be the very end of the show after Ask Upgrade. So if you want to avoid spoilers, we'll make it very clear we're talking about it. Nothing else will happen after that conversation, so you won't miss anything. So you can either jump off or you can decide to like what you should do is pause the show, leave it in your podcast go see player, the movie. go see the movie. Whenever you've seen the movie, come back, listen to it. That's that's what I think is just what I personally do with those types of things. So at the end of the episode today, special mic at the movies, Avengers Infinity War. Today's show is brought to you by PDF Pen from our friends Smile. The new PDF Pen 10 is the ultimate tool for editing PDFs and going paperless. If you use PDFs in any way, you need to see what PDF Pen 10 can do for you. Their brand new release has the ability to add watermarks, custom headers and footers, and even a new precision editing tool. There's so much you can do with PDF Pen 10, like moving images around without increasing the size of the document. You can magnify library items so you can see them more clearly. You can take advantage of a beautifully improved color palette and go paperless even more easily by making a whole collection of scanned PDFs searchable. A whole collection. Search through all of them. Smile also offers PDF pen for iPad and iPhone for editing PDFs when you're on the go. I, you know, it is so... I cannot state how 
much I use PDF Pen. Like it is an indispensable part of my tool set. Like I use it every single day, like when I'm creating documents, when I'm creating contracts and all that kind of stuff. Like I would be honestly lost without it at this point. Um, I absolutely love uh, PDF Pen. I think that it is awesome and I will continue using it for as long as I possibly can. I've never found anything else that gives me the tools that it gives me. If you've been thinking about getting your documents in order, this is your cue to get started. Go right now to smilesoftware.com slash podcast and you can find out more about PDF Pen. Our thanks to PDF Pen 10 for their support of this show. Thank you, Smile. You're the best. So, Jason, the airport is dead and I don't mean the thing that you need to fly. No, that's it. There's no more airports. Apple has shut down all the airports. Why did they do that? That seems so mean. It's blimps, baby. There's going to be an eye blimp. The eye blimp is coming and uh, that's going to replace all airports. So it's amazing they had that power. How did people give them the power to shut down all the airports? I don't know. That's when they let them do the mapping. Yeah, it seems like a mistake in hindsight. Yeah. But uh, as well as that, because Apple got so wild with shutting down real airports, they they figured to themselves, why don't we just shut down our airport program, which is Wi-Fi routers. They're gone away. <laughs> and this is one of those things. This is really funny. Uh, this shows how <laughs> the example, like people, people sometimes call like Apple news and rumors and reporting like an echo chamber in the way that someone will mention something and then a bunch of people talk about it, right? And that's a thing that happens quite a lot. Talk about it, loads of opinions get thrown in there and all kinds of mashes together. To the point that when this announcement was made, that Apple, uh, that Apple made via some news sources that they were killing the airport, it led to many people saying, I thought they already did that. <laughs> no, yeah. no, that's not true. Uh, in November, it was a year and a half ago. Yeah. Was it a year and a half ago? Yeah, the Gurman's report was like in November of 16. Whoa, I thought it was last November. Well, there you go. Uh, in November no. of 2016, Mark Gurman wrote a report saying that Apple was getting out of the airport business, and yes. now they officially have. Um, it is interesting to me to try and think about what happened in that year and a half, right? Like, Well, I, you know, I mean, I, I, Gurman's report is that they disbanded the teams a year and a half ago, and they still had the products, right? So I think they must have just decided they're going to disband the team, sell the products for a while. And then when there comes a time when they would need to update them, they'll just, they'll just let them fade away or they'll, or they'll, uh, you know, when their metrics show that they're not selling enough of them or they can't get the parts or whatever, they'll, they'll make them fade away. But um, they may also have played a game where they, uh, sometimes this happens with tech companies where they'll disband a team and they'll say, well, if it turns out we need to do a new version of this, we'll just reform a team in a year or two and do it then. And uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> so they just decided to to be out of the business. But it sounds like they decided to be out of this business, yeah, a year and a half, two years ago. And it's just been selling. Because uh, some of the people that, I mean, I get uh, why people who rely on this stuff are, are sad that it's not, not ever going to be updated again, that it's going away. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. But the immediacy of it, I thought, was interesting because we know through the German report that this was not... Um, you know, it, it's not like the company has been actively updating this product. It's been years since these products were updated. And quite frankly, I didn't love the last update, but it's been years since then. So there's been no movement. But if you're somebody who thought, oh, no, 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 there'll be a new airport sometime, then it's sad because there will absolutely not. <laughs> and at least like even if you didn't think that you would buy a new one, 
by Apple continuing to make them, you would consider that like the product that you have would continue to get updated, right? And right. It's, it's unknown um, what would what will happen to the existing airports that live out there in the world, right? How long will right. they work for? Will they receive any kinds of updates? Like, are there going to be big security updates they're not going to get? Like, as it stands right now, unless you can correct me, I don't think that we know anything about that, like what Apple's plans are to support the existing user base. I imagine that like so many of their products, since they were selling it up until now, basically, that they will support it for some length of time sure. in software, a couple of years or whatever. And at that point, it will become a vintage product. And They, they will... call it legacy or something, don't they? This is yeah. stuff that I learned from Stephen and his K-based discussions that like there is a specific through phases. Like, document which Apple has somewhere which has like all of the products that are now considered legacy and aren't supported anymore. And they do this every right. now and then where they throw more things into that bucket. Yep. But it's a long period of time, right? Mm-hmm. And again, one of the reasons that I think I love Apple products and I know a lot of people love Apple products is that they get they get support they get updates you know they get they get taken care of for a while you know you can make the investment now like if you buy an iphone 10 today it will still be getting up software updates in like four or five years most likely you know which is not the same uh on android for example right i think that that is a is in the past i think been a thing which has long been used as a jab like a joke towards android but there is truth in it Right, you know, you can buy you could buy an Android phone today that doesn't have the latest version of Android on it, and it may never, right? Like you never know, right? Because of the way that carriers and and everything work. But anywho, what was so good about the airport line in the first place? Like, why do people want these products opposed to competitors' products? Like, what made the airport product a special one? Well, so one reason is it was the Apple product. Right. Um, okay. There's some so historic. Like, there's some yeah. historic legacy there, right? Which is yeah. when Apple came out with the first airport and the and the original iBook actually was when that happened. It, Wi-Fi was new, and there was no way that Apple was going to get it to be at their level of kind of compatibility and quality if they didn't build the the base station hardware themselves. So they did, and that went for a while, and then it just kind of kept going. And over time, I think some people felt like the Apple stuff was of a higher quality than the competition. I think there were times when it was and times when it wasn't. I had um, I, I had some Apple hardware that I thought was I had a couple Airport Expresses of the original variety, yeah. and they burnt, they ran hot, and they burned out. And um, I had a base station at one point that I couldn't update the firmware. So if I ever wanted to change my Wi-Fi passwords or settings or anything or run a software update, it would just fail and go back to its previous state, which was, you know, awkward. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, But there were other ones that I had that were rock solid and that that worked really well. And they were compatible compatible in a way that that third-party routers weren't. Third-party routers had weirdness sometimes with iOS devices or macOS devices that the airport obviously being... Uh, very carefully tested on those Apple devices worked perfectly. Um, Apple cared about uh, ease of setup so that, you know, there was the airport app that you could use to configure them. Whereas a lot of uh, third party routers would use just kind of incomprehensible and bad web pages to do the same thing. Um, So, you know, a lot, a lot of that. And then we'll throw in that Apple would occasionally roll in a feature that was not, that was basically an Apple specific feature that was not available or not widely available anywhere else. And the two best examples of that, I think, are the Airport Express having the mini jack audio out so that you could use it as an AirPlay receiver, essentially attached to some other audio device. And the, um, the, uh, what was the other big one? Oh, uh, um, Time Capsule? 
Yeah, yeah, that's it. It was uh, network time machine backups using Time Capsule, where you could just plug this thing in and point to it from your Mac, and the backups would happen, and it was super easy. And those are things that Apple built specifically for Mac users, um, you know, tied in to their platforms. And um, at the time, that was the only way. Some There are alternatives to those now, but at the time, that was kind of the only way you could do that. And so, you know, so for various reasons, and we talk about like Apple cases for iPhones and things like that. I mean, there is a great ease of use if you're an Apple purchaser to get the Apple Wi-Fi stuff, right? Because that, I, I just think that there is a, a feeling like I'm in the Apple store or I'm shopping on Apple's website and I need a Wi-Fi base station. And what's the brand I trust? I, I trust Apple's brand, so I'm going to yeah. buy their product, even if it was more expensive than the competition and maybe wasn't wasn't any better. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but it was Apple and you were in the Apple support system and you were in the Apple store where they sold it and all of that kind of went together. So I think there's a lot of reasons why historical, some features some convenience that airport had a big you know a big role in a lot of people's um, home networking worlds now you know i my feeling would be that one of the reasons that apple probably got rid of this product is that if they were going to bring out a new version it would probably have to be pretty significant right like i mean i guess if they were going to make a new airport line it should have been a mesh network because that's what that's what people make now, right? Well, you know, I think I think that's exactly it. And disclaimer: we've had mesh networking sponsors on yeah, this Eero podcast. Yeah, Eero is a sponsor of the show. In a moment, yeah. I'm going to ask Jason what the alternatives are, and Eero will probably come up, but they're not sponsoring this episode. Um, it doesn't matter if they're a sponsor at all. Like we would talk about them as we would talk about them. You know, like they, but you should they know. are not paying for this discussion, right? That's 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 true. So um, my understanding is that several of these companies, including Eero, have some former Apple people at them, and it shows certainly mm-hmm. the influence of Apple shows, regardless in the software that they write and in the way that their products are designed. Because I look at the I look at the wire cutter's choice for best Wi-Fi router, and it's this black box with six antennas sticking out at the top. And I just think, no, I don't want that in my house. I, I, I don't ever want to see that. But that is, you know, that's sort of what the state of affairs is for, like, your standard Wi-Fi router. I think you're right. If Apple kept this team together, um, this is what they would be doing, is they would be doing some sort of fancy mesh routing thing where they've got base stations and repeaters, and it's all just kind of working seamlessly with their software. I think that would have been the next evolution of this. But if you're Apple, you look at it and you say... Uh, we don't need to be in this business anymore. We don't make a whole lot of money making these products. We're we're using engineering talent that maybe we could put to use better in other parts of our business. And there are other companies out there who live and die by this. And, and I think that's a really uh, important point. Um, the There are lots of companies for whom building networking hardware for the consumer market and the business market are what they do. That's their entire job. That's all they care about. And, you know, you think Apple is distracted by iOS when it comes to the Mac, how distracting is it? How how off center is it to be working in the the airport group at Apple? And you know maybe there are some very special people who just love it and they don't care that they're at that. But I th- I would argue there's a big difference between working on a Wi-Fi router at Apple and working on a Wi-Fi router at Netgear or Eero. Right. Mm-hmm. Or or even, you know, some other company that, that, that is all about networking. Right. Because that's their that's what the bi- whole business is aligned toward. They, right, that's what like they want to do. Google have a product, Google Wi-Fi. But like 
how long is that actually going to be around? You know what I mean? Like, you don't know at Google if they're just going to be like, no, this isn't working, we'll kill it. Whereas you say, if you work at a company like Netgear or Eero, well, they're not going to kill the product because, like, that's the business. It's, that's the company. Yeah. That's the whole the whole company. And if you're a router uh, engineer, aren't you going to be more excited to go work for one of those companies than Apple? Like, we're like, oh, but mm-hmm. it's Apple. Yeah, but it's a backwater within Apple. It's, the, it's not where Apple puts... Again, unless you're somebody who really loves it, it's not where Apple puts their A number one talent, or at least the people that Apple managers have said, this person is going somewhere, we need to have them on a key project. And I'm not saying that that's fair, but but it's absolutely reality. If you had a superstar developer who was coming up building hardware for your Wi-Fi router and your Apple, would you not say, we need to get that person on other hardware that's more important to our future than our Wi-Fi router. And that's just the nature of things. So I think that that, I I do really believe that that's part of it is Apple got into this business because they had to, they stayed in it because it was, it it had, they had momentum and there were kind of advantages to dropping some stuff in there that uh, was sort of Apple specific. And I think they got to the point where they surveyed the world outside and said, why why are we doing this? Um, there's a thriving uh, comp- competitive market out there for this stuff. There's also, I think, there's the argument like it keeps moving ahead. There's new standards. There's all this new mesh stuff. And there's a question of like, well, if we're going to do the Apple take on this, we're going to need to make an investment here and do more. And there is a moment where you need to decide, are we going to do more or are we not? And if we're not, we should probably wind it down and let let everybody else because the next step is that Apple makes a deal with or is talking to some of these major Wi-Fi manufacturers to get them to be friendly with Apple and Apple's products and in return get maybe showcased in the Apple stores, right? Mm-hmm. Like that that is already probably gone on and will continue to go on. And so they get probably what they want, which is a way to get their users to uh, a, an experience that they consider acceptable without having to have this project. So what is available out there that people should be looking for if they're currently a, a user of these products? Well, I think um, I, I recommend people going to the wire, wire cutter mm-hmm. and looking at their recommendations. They have uh, Wi-Fi router recommendations and mesh networking recommendations. The Wi-Fi router, it's a single thing with lots of antennas sticking out of it that you put somewhere uh, pretty good for coverage in a small space. The mesh routers are obviously better if you've got a, uh, a, a larger space that you're trying to cover with Wi-Fi. Um, I had issues unless I put my router, my single router in a very specific location in my house, which is my son's closet. Other than that, I couldn't get coverage throughout my house. And even then it was pushing it and my house isn't that big. So I switched to a mesh network. And again, here's the Eero disclaimer. Eero is a sponsor. They sent me some units and that's what I'm using now. But that, that worked for me. Um, so Wirecutter wire is a good independent organization that has looked at all of these things. My only caveat about wi- uh, about Wirecutter, and I don't know their reviewer, and I don't know who the editor is on that piece. I've written some pieces for Wirecutter in the past. I'm not currently working with them on anything. But the one thing, I had a bad experience with a previous generation of their Wi-Fi router recommendation list, where they recommended a Netgear router that I bought. And I found that it had some very weird quirks where it would occasionally just drop iOS devices from the network and it got really frustrating and I ended up turning off all the Wi-Fi routing on it bringing my airport ex- 
stream back out of a drawer and using it for Wi-Fi while the Netgear stuff did the actual like uh, traffic routing, which was weird and dumb. But that's what I ended up doing because Apple's Wi-Fi was way more solid. Now, I've heard from people who are Apple users who say that the latest and greatest wire cutter picks were great on uh, with their devices. I, my, my caveat is basically um, it's unclear to me whether when a... When somebody who's got a, a lot of experience writing about networking, um, what's their experience understanding how consumers live their lives and also how uh, people who use Apple products use their products in the home? And that's that's always the caveat with something that's written by somebody with a lot of technical background is the technical background is fantastic. But do they get like... Um, because I, I, mean, I saw this in Macworld and when I was also in charge of PC World, you, you, you would see that from time to time where there's somebody who's got all the technical chops in the world, but their connection with like the reality of how users use their products was a little tenuous. And I'm not saying the, the current wire, wire cutter writer is, is that way, but I did have that moment where I thought, did this person actually, um, you know, spend time with iOS devices on their network when they were testing this? Or did they just use PCs and not worry about it? Because that was always the danger when you're doing a story like this. And then when I see their reviews with the the uh, the router bristling with all those antennae, I realized that finding the best wireless networking product is not a beauty contest. At the mm. same time, I'm not kidding. I look at that and think I'm never going to buy that thing. It is so yeah, I don't horrendously laughably ugly. I don't want that thing in my life. Yeah. So, you know, for some people like me, I don't really have a place where I could put it. Like my router is on show, right? Like it, it will be in the public view of my hallway. And I just don't right. want this like alien spacecraft sitting on an end table. Like I just don't. I really don't want it. I want something that is simple enough. I mean, we have these, you know, I have I need to like upgrade my system here quite a lot, but I have this like just this netgear thing that plugs straight into the wall. It's not very good, but it it does me fine, right? The connection's stable and stuff, but it's not the best like for speed to take advantage of the fast internet that I have, but it it will do for now, right? Um because to my heartbreak I can't get Eero in UK, which is what I want, but I can't, right. can't get it. Um, and I've looked at the Google Wi-Fi thing, but honestly, like I don't, I don't have the feeling of like, oh, Google are going to snoop on me. I just, I don't know how long the product will last for. That's that's my concern with with like buying the the Google thing because they have their own like mesh network thing. And then the Netgear one is it Netgear or Orbi or something that the Netgear other... Orbi is from Netgear, and that's the wire cutter pick for right. mesh networking. They're huge, like. They are massive. These things, and and I just Link, Linksys has a has a large uh, a large set of boxes mesh network too. There's there are many different uh, mesh networks out there. Now. But like that's what Google I one. like about Google and Eero that they're small, right? Like they they're not they're not like huge. But it seems that the other companies that I can buy the stuff of, it's just way too big. Like I don't I don't want something that big. Yeah, I, I want the Orbi is. Is like the size of the last generation airports in yeah, that and it's that's tall. Too, too much. I don't, I don't want and that. the Eros are like an Apple TV, right? Just to give you some idea, yeah. like there are ones that are small and there are ones that are huge. And some of that has to do with antennas and radios and you know, it just how they wanna how they wanna configure it. Because remember, these things do have to broadcast and receive signal mm-hmm. in order to do what they do. There is it's not magic. It's it's they they've gotta be built for certain specs. So I it's just it's a funny thing. Like um that that all said. 
said, I would I would choose an Orbi over the regular Wi-Fi pick from uh, Wirecutter oh, yeah, in a heartbeat. Because it, it hasn't got like alien tendrils sticking out of his head. Like, exactly. For sure. right. But I would prefer something that's small or one of these ones that plugs directly into the wall or something because it's, it's just too much for me. Yeah. So I... Anyway, there are lots of options out there. The other thing I wanted to mention is if you're somebody who relies on a time capsule to do backup, um, first off, obligatory cloud backup mention, which is uh, you should do a cloud backup if you're not, because if you're backing up at home to a time capsule that's in your house and something happens to your house, you don't have a backup. That backup goes along with your house, uh, which means that you don't really have a a backup. In case of a flood or a fire yeah, or something yeah. like that, your your primary data and your backup will be lost simultaneously. So a cloud backup is super important. It puts your data somewhere else. I would do a cloud backup, honestly, before I would do a, a local backup if I had to choose for that reason. Although there are lots of advantages to local backups that can happen more frequently. They happen faster. You can do more versioning and things like that. So Like if you don't have the bandwidth. Exactly. Lots of reasons to do it. But you really should be backing up your most important stuff at least over the network as well. Then, you know, there are um, a bunch of other options. You can get a drive that plugs into your computer and do Time Machine locally. And you mm-hmm. may think to yourself, boy, but I really don't want a big hard drive on my laptop. I get that. Although, first off, they make um, really small SSD external drives now that can be large. Again, it's not cheap to do that, but you can get a big SSD backup drive and just attach it to your laptop every now and then. It's not the end of the world. It's okay. If you've got another Mac on your network, starting with High Sierra, you can, and Dan wrote about this at Six Colors this week, you can actually just turn on uh, file sharing and Time Machine and back up to that Mac, any drive attached to that Mac. It's built into Mac OS now. It's not a Mac OS server feature. It can They can all very easily support Time Machine. Um, you could also buy a NAS, which is network-attached storage. If you don't have a Mac that's running on your network all the time, you can buy a NAS, which is basically a server... Um, it comes with drives. It lets you save your files over your network. Um, if you've got an SSD-based Mac, um, having a NAS in your house is great because your drive isn't very big. And these are, you know, giant... It's a box with spinning hard drives in it that can have huge amounts of storage. So it's a great place. I use one, or I use a server, but it's the same thing. The To offload a bunch of stuff off of the relatively small SSD that comes in my Mac because it's got, you know, like 10, 12 terabytes of storage that I can copy to. Well, I also do a time machine backup to that. And there are, and many, and in fact, Wirecutter has recommendations. Many of the NAS devices support time machine you can configure them and say, this is the volume I want for Time Machine. I want it to be this big. You point Time Machine at it and it works. Now, they're not cheap, but that's another option. So you have options. It's not quite as easy as the buying a time capsule and setting it up, but they can have other benefits too. So that's that's an option. And then the other one is for audio, like people who are using Airport Expresses. There, there seems to be no... A solution that's as simple and as reliable as using an Airport Express. There are some other options, whether it's an Apple TV that's attached uh, by HDMI or optical, depending on what model you get, uh, to audio. There are a bunch of AirPlay 
adapters that are sold by third parties that I hear are not as reliable, but again, they are available. There are also Bluetooth adapters. If you're close to a set of speakers that you want to broadcast to, you could just use Bluetooth. Uh, and when Airport or when Airplay 2 comes out, I wonder if we'll we'll actually see a new round, especially now that if, Airport Express is going away. If Airplay if, 2 well, ever comes Airplay out. Airplay 2 will come out eventually. <laughs> that you might actually see a, a, a new set of adapters uh, designed to take advantage of Airplay I 2. Hope so. And and attached to it, so there are some options there. It's not going to be a perfect one to one, but there are options if your uh, your airport device is going to die. Jason, there was a report at CNET from Shara Tibkin. According to a source, CNET are reporting that Apple is working on a headset capable of running AR and VR with plans for two 8K displays, one for each eye. This project is codenamed T288 and is being slated for a 2020 release, according to people familiar with the matter. Uh, The device would be connected to what is being described as a dedicated box, which would power everything. In its current state, (laughs) Tipkin is saying that this box resembles a PC tower. Now, I have a lot of questions based upon what we decide this is referencing because the Mm -hmm. report goes on to talk about the box itself featuring wireless technology so it's not really clarified in the report as to whether this pc tower resembling thing is the prototype unit or not i think for the sake of conversation and discussion we should assume that it is attached to a big box now because it's early in development and that by the time it comes out the, the headset will be tethered to something you could maybe put in your pocket. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I otherwise, think, what's the point in this thing being wireless if it's the size of a PC tower? Yeah, I think the... Um, you got to go back to, like, what what is the source for this? And this is a product that they're saying maybe a 2020 kind of product. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a ways out there. Let's say it's at least two years out there and maybe two and a half years out there, or maybe it'll get delayed and it'll be three or four years out there. It's early and they're prototyping. And one of the important things is that this needs to be wearable, but they don't have the ability to have a wearable thing that has enough processing power to run it. So rather than have you put on like a lead vest or something full of computer parts. Or do what or, a lot of people do, which is build it all into the headset, which makes the headset really heavy and bulky. Right. Well, I think that that was what I was going to say is, yeah. is right now they don't want to do that because no. they don't want that to be the end product. That's not the goal here. So for now, you build the headset and you you have the computing power offloaded because you're still developing this product. And right now it doesn't matter. What you really want to do is model how it will ultimately work which is a thing that you wear on your on your face Mm -hmm. so maybe they've got a box now that's attached via cable or maybe it's attached wirelessly and they've got this external box because that's how they're building this product that's not even how they're testing it they're testing it and building it like making it exist and trying to figure out the right way to do it this is a product that's early in development right Mm -hmm. so uh that's where this report is coming from which is why i kind of can't really think that it tells us anything about sure. the end product no. other than, you know, the idea that, that there would be a dedicated box. I laughed at the idea of the dedicated box because I thought, they say dedicated box and wireless. And I thought, oh, so it'll work with my iPhone then because that's a dedicated box yeah, I, that's I, in I my think pocket. That it, will, it will event, <laughs> like, so 
this thing is going to connect to something. It's not going to... I don't believe that this is going to be a standalone unit, right? Like in the way that your Apple Watch connects to something. And it could be one of two things. Either it will be an iPhone or it is another thing, which I I totally can see both happening. I expect it will probably be an iPhone, but you don't... I mean, we don't know at this stage, but I I think it's worth assuming it connects to something, right? Either wirelessly or tethered or whatever, but what what it but th- th- this it's also it's all possible. kind of intermingled in this report by making it seem like it will be a PC, which I think is not necessarily like made very clear. <laughs> yeah, it's all well, it's all because they don't know, and they're just kind of speculating. And it and it comes from somebody who probably who was the source in this. It's probably somebody who knows somebody who works on it, or like who has worked on worked on it a while ago, and yep. says, well, you know, this is what I, I I got to see it, and they have a box, but you know, but it's all kind of hazy. I look at this and I think, um, yeah, that first off, the ultimate goal, first off, okay, the ultimate goal is that it is all integrated in the device so that when you put on a, yeah. a headset or glasses or whatever, it's all the power is in there. But, it, but that a, won't be a the more reasonable version. step, a- Apple's got, right, Apple's got a very powerful computer in your pocket. Mm-hmm. So that would be a way to drive it to a certain degree. And, um, and I think, you know, when you talk about a box, like, it's not unreasonable that they might say when you're out and about, you can use your phone to drive AR. And when you're at home, it connects to this base thing that they're, that's definitely not an airport base station. It's something completely different, this base, and then it drives your VR experience. And that, that thing has got a lot of more computing power in it than what you get from the AR side of it. Oh, that's also a possibility, yeah, that's right? A good, that's a really good point. That, that it comes with a that. home base yep. that like, that like has, has, does the VR stuff and is like much more Nintendo powerful. Switch. Right, but when you're roaming... Um, it's just your iPhone because AR and yeah. VR are so different, right? And this is why I was thinking of like I wasn't willing to accept that this is a thing that always needs to be connected to a large box because then AR is mostly pointless at that, you know. Because I think a lot of what makes AR useful is being able to use it outside in the world, right? Like yes. that there are things that you can move around and see and get information from, like VR is immersive experiences. Just you do that at home, right? Like that's where that happens. Yes. Um so I feel that there has to be an element of portability with this thing that I'm interested to see. I mean, okay, so I feel like we've put that part to bed, right? We're just going to assume that like somehow this thing allows you to walk around with it indoors and outdoors. My next question is how on earth do you make one device that does both of these things? Because yeah. those two use cases are so different because VR, it needs to close you off from the world and AR needs to leave you open to the world. Now, there well, is a thing called mixed reality, which is in between. But yeah, mixed but that's reality really AR. doesn't do AR and VR. It's, it's MR, right? Like it's a, it is a different thing, which is closer to, like, to, to augmented reality stuff than VR. Those two things, they are so very different. I I think mixed reality and AR just, you know, depends on who's using what buzzword at the yeah, time. I but agree. you're right, I VR, agree. VR, you are not getting external input from the world. No. VR, the entire world is defined by what you are being shown and, mm-hmm. and you know, what you're hearing. Uh, so first off, I've got a question, which is just because they're testing AR and VR right now, it doesn't necessarily mean that the intent is to have a product that does both. I, I, I question that. Like, I, yeah. is that really what's happening here? And if it is... 
because because the other thing is the specs for AR are going to be a lot lower than VR in some ways because you don't have to you're you're painting over the, over the world. I mean they're different. They're in some ways they're harder because you've got to track reality in a way that you don't necessarily with VR. But um, I guess it could be convertible, right? Like that they polarize the, you know, they polarize the lenses or something. And so it shuts out the outside world or you have a, a, a blast shield, a star Wars style that you flip down and, and now you can't see anything in the outside world and you're entirely enmeshed in it or, you know, but there it goes to things like audio, like VR, you want immersive audio that shuts out the outside world. AR, you want, uh, audio overlay over bump, being bump, able to hear conduction. the outside world audio, right that's that stuff you can do where it's like you, it built into yeah. the arms and it like tickles your bones in your ears so you can still hear but stuff if i'm apple and i'm developing this stuff i i would say um are we really going to have two different products the one that you use at home and the one you take out in the world or ultimately is the goal to have a single thing that can do both because um, I don't know what stage of development they're in and this report comes to, but, you know, I think in the long run, you want it to be self-contained, capable of doing both. In the short run, that may not be possible. And they may have to break down and say, no, we're we're really just going to do AR out of the gate and we'll deal with the VR stuff later or vice versa. But, um, you know, it, it, it's... That's the difference between like what does Apple ultimately want this product to be and what is Apple capable of building and having a price manufacturing at a price that they can sell it to consumers. Like that is there is often a large gap between those two things, because I mean, I made this argument about the iPhone 10 that in some ways the iPhone 10 is probably what Johnny Ive envisioned when they started talking about the iPhone a buttonless slab, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just a slab of glass with a screen on it. And they couldn't get there. They couldn't get there for a long time. But, uh, you know, AR and VR are going to be similar. Like, we know what this is supposed to be. It's supposed to look like a pair of glasses or be completely invisible somehow and have all of its computing power either built into it or attached via some sort of network that is everywhere and pervasive and, and that you can get to and that provides high-speed uh, interactions and stuff like that, right? Like, you could you could sketch out what the ultimate AR, VR product should be, but they're not going to have that in 2020. So what are they going to build? And, and do they know or are they still just sort of trying stuff out and figuring out what to throw overboard honestly i do not believe that apple is building anything for vr i i I just don't i don't see it i think that they're going for ar and i think that maybe people confuse uh the two a little bit i i really just because vr is games right and apple bless them yeah they try but they don't. That they're not big into games, and the the power difference to make good VR games compared to what Apple is used to providing developers to make stuff with is dramatic. And they would need to make a lot of really, really different choices about the way that they handle game development than they have right now. Like I would be very, very surprised if Apple developed a VR platform. Um, until VR became a success, AR they can pioneer. I don't think that Apple pioneering VR is a good idea. I think that they should wait to see if it if it catches on any more than it currently already has before they move into it. That that's my personal feeling because now they've left it too late, right? Like I've always felt that Apple should do something in VR before now. Like I think at this point they've they're not 
one of the pioneers. They are not one of the companies that's at the forefront of it now, like they are in AR. So I figure they should just double down and focus on that and definitely not try and build one product for two things. Because this, in theory, needs to be something that you would feel like not too much of a doofus walking around in the street with on your face. And I honestly can't imagine how they would combine a product to do those two things. Like it would just be really weird to me. Like I just don't, I just don't imagine it. Um, but in general, I do believe that they are working on this product. I do believe that they will release an AR glasses project at some point. Like I think that that is the natural progression for what Tim Cook seems to be so excited about with AR, right? Like, I feel like that is it, right? Like, AR is only so useful when you still have to look at a phone screen. Like, it can only be so useful if you have to go to it to get it instead of that information just being constantly provided to you. Like, that's, that's the dream of Google Glass. That said, everything they're doing on the phone right now is is research for that, right? Yes, like all the error kit stuff that exists now, that's Apple saying, okay, developers, what what can you do with this now? Because that that teaches them, teaches Apple how to build AR stuff and teaches uh, gives developers uh, tools to build interesting AR, AR applications. And I would say that if over the next year or two, Apple looks at what is out there for AR, th- there's a possibility. I, I don't think it's a huge one, but there's a possibility they'll be like, oh, you know, there's really not a lot here. Yeah, like they pull a ripcord and just jump straight out of it. Right? They're like, nope, nope, nope. It's possible. But I think I think the idea is that at some... When I try to imagine what happens after the phone or after the computer... This is what I keep thinking is is the product after the phone or after the computer is something like this where yep. it is a, your phone, but instead of it being in your hand, it's just in your field of vision and you interact with it with, you know, you and maybe you have a, a, d- a device you can pull out and use or maybe the cameras will be able to look at your hand gestures and you'll literally be able to tap things in midair or or like run your finger over the palm of your other hand and be like, you know, I'm going to I want to scroll with these gestures and have that work. Um, I think that's quite possible because the the idea in the long run is that if I'm uh, doing turn-by-turn directions, it would be better if they just were a heads-up display in my glasses that I could just wear while I'm driving. And if I'm walking on a street and I want to know how to get to my destination, that it just is annotating the street that I'm walking down. And if I have a message or notification, it maybe tells me, maybe reads in my ear, depends on my notifications. But you could you could see that this device would start out as a phone accessory and ultimately could replace the phone because it's your interaction point for all that stuff. And for computers and tablets and things like that, I think that this is also a way that some of that stuff gets replaced because uh, it because once you have AR, you theoretically have a virtual screen. You theoretically have a screen that that is as big as you want it to be that you can take anywhere you want. And, you know, maybe you're typing in midair or maybe you have a keyboard, but it means you maybe don't need a monitor anymore because you've just got your glasses and the monitor is in your field of view when you want it to be there. So, you know, in the long run of, of technology, when I try to imagine what comes next after these whole categories that exist right now, it, it does start to think like, you get you get most of the hardware out of the way. You don't need a screen anymore if you can see a screen in your field of view. Like mm-hmm. that that solves that problem. And you don't necessarily and what is a what is a smartphone 
it is a screen. It is also a gesture control device and some other things that it, that that are more like questionable, like I just did. Like, how do you do that interaction and that stuff to be figured out? But the screen aspect of it could get just replaced and would be awfully convenient if you don't have to carry a screen around and it could be any size and it could be in any part of your vision. And that's a little more VR-y in the sense that it's blocking out parts of the world in order to show you that. But it's also kind of AR-y in the sense that when I'm looking at my computer screen, I can see the world around the edges of the screen. It's not entirely blocked off. It's just, you know, my focus is just in the center. So, and this all like on the big picture level, this is why Apple has to be uh, spending R&D money on this stuff because it's probably the future of a lot of their product, the fu- the successor to a lot of their product categories. And they can either b- lead the way there or they can be left behind and be made slowly irrelevant. And, you know, I know which one they would prefer, but Most that's a long run up. And, mm-hmm. and the short term, you know, we end up slicing like you just did, I think really well, which is what do we slice off of this thing to make a first generation product that sort of like we'll look back on 10 years later and be like, oh, it was so primitive. But the time it's released, it will blow everybody away. What is that product? How do they get that out in the market? And they're not going to do what Microsoft does, which is say, oh, HoloLens, it's for developers. It's sold into some industry. Um, what's it going to be like? Apple's not going to release a product like that apple's going to release a product that everybody wants to buy or at least millions and millions of people want to buy yeah today's show is brought to you by simple contacts it is something that we all love here when an app can take a tiresome task away from you making it fuss free and that is what simple contacts is all about when it comes to renewing your contact lens prescription with simple contacts you can reorder your contacts from anywhere in just minutes all you need to do is complete their online self-guided vision test which will take you about five minutes from wherever you are right now in their app with no more doctor's offices or waiting rooms needed. You can order your favorite contacts right from wherever you want on the app or the website because they have all of the brands that you love with options for astigmatism, multifocal lenses, colored lenses, and more. You can get whatever you need from the palm of your hand wherever and whenever you want. Simple Contacts Vision Test is just $20, which for comparison, an appointment without insurance could cost you over 200 They can save you money and time at Simple Contacts, but... I've got to let you know, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts, what they're doing with the eye test is checking that your prescription that you tell them still matches what you're seeing 2020, and they will then renew your lenses based on that prescription. They're not writing completely new prescriptions or examining your eye health, and they'll tell you, like if they think that you're not seeing correctly, they'll say, hey, go and get tested and then come back. Now, Jason, I know that you went through the vision test a little bit ago, um, and I kind of wondered what your experience was in using your phone uh, instead of going to a doctor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was super easy to do. You set it up. They, they really just want to check that you don't have any red flags for eye health issues because it's just meant to be a renewal of your prescription uh, that you already got from a, an eye doctor. And mm-hmm. so, um, you know, it was very quick to set up, and uh, they had my lenses that are not... Um, you know, I, I was concerned that they wouldn't have them because it took us a long time to find them and they have an astigmatism correction and all sorts of stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it was not a problem. They had them. So it was a very quick and painless process, um, rather than going back to the doctor just to get a new, um, a new set ordered. As a listener of this show, you can get $30 off your contact lenses. Just go to simplecontacts.com slash ahoy. A-H-O-Y, or you can enter AHOY at checkout. That is simplecontacts.com slash AHOY, or use the code AHOY for $30 off. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for their support 
of this show. Breaking news, Mike. Okay. There's a um there's a report that is uh that I I just saw at Apple Insider, but it is a report from DigiTimes. Uh, that just says that that much rumored refresh of the MacBook Air that we've speculated about and wondered what it might be or what it might mean has been uh, has has slipped, and that supply chain partners—that's who the source is. <laughs> supply chain partners were recently informed that uh, it will be a second half product. So. Um, originally thought to maybe be coming soon. This report says that that mysterious uh, undead revived MacBook Air thing um, won't happen until the second half of 2018. So uh, nothing more than that. And uh, it's worth munching on and and considering over the next few days. But um, uh, interesting just sort of thought of like, we don't really understand what Apple's doing with the laptop line and what a revived, you know, and an updated MacBook Air might be and how it fits. And we still don't know that. But uh, it may be that we have to wait longer to find out. So that's there's your update. Thank you for that breaking news, Jason. Let's do some hashtag ask upgrade questions before we talk about some superheroes. Yoav written, has written in and says, I have a shared photo album with my family where everyone can upload their photos to. Do you know of a way that I can import all of the photos that are shared back to my library without duplicating the ones that I have shared? I've seen this so many times. Like, I'll go on trips with friends and stuff, and we set up, like, an iCloud uh, shared, like, uh, album thing, and we all throw photos in, and then I have to go through individually one by one and save all the ones that I want because, like, there isn't a way to just be like, give me the ones that aren't mine. Now, yeah. I wanted to ask you, because I figure everybody that I know, and I thought, and Yoav has written into the right person, you know photos inside and out. You've written a book on it. Is there a way to do this? Uh, I don't believe so. I think maybe if you dragged everything back in, if it's a photos shared photo album, if you drag it back in, it might identify duplicates. Mm-hmm. Um, cause some, there are some cases where photos does identify duplicates in an importing process and lets you skip them. But, um, but I don't know hundred percent. I don't have a good answer here. I actually have a warning, which is shared photo albums don't share at full resolution. Ugh. So if you want to put those photos from your, um, from your trip or, or your time with your family in your photos library, I would recommend getting people to actually share their full resolution photos with you because the ones that come across via iCloud how? are not at full resolution. <laughs> okay, how does somebody make sure that they're sharing a full res photo with you? Like, how, what is the way to do that? Uh, you export them from photos and say, or, you know, export original, basically. And then how do you, how do you then send them? I put them on Dropbox or something like that. Okay. I don't know. Is I there mean, this a way is the, to do this on iOS to share or, a full res photo? Oh well, yeah. I mean, if you share it, if you share like in an email or messages or something, I think that they don't. Okay. Um, I, I think that they don't change the resolution of those. Although in some cases they might. Yeah, it is a pain. Uh, Google Photos might be an option too. Like, <laughs> of course. I think the the those if you share if you share photos in Google Photos, you mm. the ones that you share, I believe, are full quality, and you can download them. 
I might just start using yeah. Google Photos for this stuff in future because that's really annoying. I didn't know that that it wasn't sharing the. I mean, and it's because and I this can't doesn't see make any it. sense, right? You it should be full quality, and Apple should let you yeah. say, "I want to import the photos that are coming from my friends into my photo library," and it, it's just it's not there. Like it probably isn't a big issue for me right now because you know, like it's when I'm looking at it on my phone, it will be fine. But like maybe five or ten years in the future. Like I will have, I will need it at a better quality than I have, you know, than what they've shared because everything's just going to keep getting better over time. That's a frustration. Nathan has written in with Sonos announcing uh, AirPlay two support for upcoming devices. I started considering buying into the Sonos ecosystem. Jason, do you have any tips or something that Nathan should be aware of before diving in? Um, I. Uh, I think you should be aware of the fact that although the some of the new Sonos stuff, like the Sonos uh, One, supports uh, voice control, it does not. It's does not support Apple Music with voice control. So if you're an Apple Music person, the voice control won't work. However, if you're an Apple Music person, the Sonos ecosystem supports Apple Music, which is great, mm-hmm. so that you can listen to it. It's the only third party that supports Apple Music streaming on their hardware. Um, so there's a lot to be said for that. Um, Beyond that, I don't really know. It's uh, the stuff sounds good. They've got stuff that'll tie into a receiver or that will power some um, some speakers. If you've got speakers that require an amplifier, there's a there's a product that will do that. So there's lots of different options. The Play Five is a very large device that uh, puts out a lot of sound, but it's also really huge. The uh, Sonos One is nice and small, and will do AirPlay Two. Sadly, my Sonos or Play One that I have will not support AirPlay Two. Apparently, it is not. Yeah. powerful enough in terms of the tech which is you know it's fine i've got a i've got a plug-in you know that runs on my mac that is a bridge to sonos that works with airplay one and that works fine so uh i don't know it's it's um i think just be aware of what music services it supports and what the features support because i think that's that's what will trip you up is like assuming that amazon echo uh, tech, assistant technology will allow you to and and support for Apple Music will allow those two things to come together, which they don't. So you know, just be aware. Um, and they're pricey. That's the other thing is that they're not cheap. They're 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 not cheap, but uh, they do sound pretty good. And I loved my Logitech Squeezebox stuff, but you know that was a platform ruined and and uh, and and made obsolete by Logitech. So I switched to Sonos a while ago. Rajiv wants to know what. Apple accessories show up in the batteries widget for iOS 11. So I like this little widget. It's one of my favorites because it shows me the battery life of any Bluetooth connected device. So for example, um, as well as it showing the battery life on my iPhone, how much life I have left there, it will show me my Apple Watch if it's connected, my AirPods, including the individual AirPods themselves and the case. Um, if you use any of the Beats product with the W1 or W2 chips in them, um, it will show those as well. So like the Beats X and stuff like that will show the battery life there. And the Apple Pencil as well. So I really like this battery widget. I find it very useful. I keep it turned on on all of my devices because quite frequently I would like to know the battery life of one of those things. Um, so it's good to have that all there, all in one place. Um, Emmanuel's asked, uh, when the Apple video streaming service launches, do you think it will launch with only Apple's original content? Or will they license a back catalog of TV shows and movies? If yes, what kind do you expect? It's a good question. I um, 
it's entirely possible that they won't, but it feels like a, a nice way to add to the kind of like the value proposition of yep. the service is to have some catalog stuff. So there may be a lot of stuff that they can just license that's non-exclusive, that's on lots of different streaming services that they'll be able to just grab. Uh, maybe some of the Sony stuff, if Sony has rights to things, since the the um, the executives in charge came from Sony, maybe they will have some stuff that they know is available there. I wonder if they will pair... Uh, some of their existing content with things that they think are similar mm-hmm. to the uh, the stuff that they're doing originals of. The usual argument or the usual option for all of these types of discussions of Apple, like over the last 10 years, has been Disney, right? Like it was like, oh, they have a great relationship with Disney. They'll bring Disney, yeah, but it doesn't seem but like they're a competitor of Disney because yeah. Disney's going to have its streaming service. But no, I think of something like. Um, if they've got a Ron Moore series, do they license Battlestar Galactica or something right, like that? Okay. If, and say, look, you know, these are going to be like other things that we've got so that it, it, it gives the person who's coming for this show some shows that are similar. Do you think that Apple might struggle to make those deals with networks and studios, though? It uh, depends on... I mean, everybody's competing with everybody now. So the question is just going to be what the price is and what is their exclusivity or not. If there's no exclusivity and it's just extra money to put it on more services, I think that the studios are going to be more than happy about that. Because I always assume that like the TV and movie industry has always been so scared that Apple is going to do to them what they did to the music industry, right? Which was change the industry from underneath them. I I, I feel like... um, Apple is not the problem in this world, right? Like Netflix and everybody's getting into it and Netflix yeah. is a giant and Amazon is a giant and Am- Apple's not at that point yet. So I think we're I think we're probably yeah. over that now. But like Apple um, Music has gotten really big really fast and is growing yeah. at a quicker rate than Spotify, right? And I think that was not what anybody expected. So, you know, they could come in and like in five years be bigger than Netflix. No, it's a it's a different game though because everything's exclusive in video and you know or at least all these originals are exclusive and yeah. nothing's exclusive essentially in music. There are brief timed exclusives, but that's it. There is more of a drive towards making quality stuff where like Apple aren't actually commissioning the music to be made. I think that's one of exactly. the biggest differences, right? Like they actually yes. have to make good stuff as opposed to just have the stuff that's already good on there. Like if Apple were doing this to be netflix like four years ago it's different right like if what they were trying to do was just collect up all of the streaming right to be what netflix was not what netflix is becoming which is hbo which is what they're all going for so i um if i had to bet i might bet that they won't have much extra stuff at launch because they want this to be a premium kind of thing that said uh licensing some movies doing some deals to kind of compete with HBO mm-hmm. in getting some recent run movies and some catalog movie titles might be something they could do. They could even say it's sort of like so when you subscribe to this video service, you get a bunch of stuff that's um, the best of iTunes. If you think about what Amazon does where they've got a, they sell and rent stuff, but they also have free video that they may view it like that, where it's like you also get access to a bunch of movies and maybe even some TV shows on iTunes for free. And that's the way they kind of, phrase it is something like it's part of our store but you don't if you're a member of this service you don't have to pay to watch it it's just covered but what reality reality what they're doing is they're licensing a bunch of movies for streaming 
And uh, that could, it could happen. It could happen. They don't have to do that, but they need a really strong slate if they go out without a back catalog. The other possibility is that they will buy a niche streaming service or two and just integrate their content and their back catalog. And that's something they could totally do. They could pull in, you know, something, there there are a bunch of small services out there like Acorn, which does uh, British TV in the US that they could bring in. Um, there, There are options out there. It would be interesting to see. Um, and I don't know what's available kind of like non-exclusively. Uh, but I think they'll give it a shot because better to go out with more content than less. But it might be more movies than TV shows. That's entirely possible. My bet is that it won't really matter too much because I think that the Apple Video service will be bundled with music. So you, you're kind of the value that you're getting is having all of it, right? Like I, I don't think that Apple is going to sell this service separately, personally. Um, I think that it is going to be primarily, you know, they might do what Amazon does, right? Where you can get it for some silly deal, which isn't good because you might as well pay the extra dollar and get all of it. That's what I think they're going to do. I think there's going to be an entertainment bundle that they sell, um, which includes video and music. Because I think video is going to be a harder sell. Like it's going to be harder for them to sell that to people because especially initially, it's like give us money for stuff you've never seen, stuff that nobody's ever seen. And a bunch of stuff that no one knows is going to be any good. Like, we promise it will be. Like, I think it's it's trickier to sell it than it was to sell Apple Music, which is why I think they're going to bundle it anyway. Um, do you think they're going to bundle it, or do you think it will be standalone? Yeah, good good question. I think ultimately, yeah, I don't know. It's a tough question. I, I think they want to generate revenue, but they could generate it by bundling it. They could generate it by building some sort of Apple... Yep prime kind of thing i yeah like one or two more dollars is more revenue right and like you know yeah i think it's more likely that they would bundle the two services together and sell them separately Mm -hmm. than say that everybody who has apple music gets the video service i think it's much more likely that the video service will have its own subscription fee but there'll be some sort of deal if you buy both of them together um, but again, I'm also holding out some hope that at some point Apple may actually come out with a more complex offering that is more like Prime, where you get some, you know, a bunch of different unrelated or vaguely related stuff, and that's the way that you get access to all of this is by giving Apple whatever a hundred dollars, one hundred twenty dollars a year. I right? think. That, I yeah. think you know we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago with the news thing, right? Like uh, last week, it feels like that they're pushing in enough directions now that they have a comprehensive offering, including iCloud storage that they can give you. Um, and our last question today comes from Josh. Josh wants to know, what is the best method to creating templates in pages using iCloud so that are accessible on the Mac in pages and iOS in pages? So the My Templates feature that exists in pages doesn't sync to the to iOS. It's only on the Mac. Um, so I have, a, I have like a weird hack around this. So if you basically want to have a template document, which you can save in iCloud Drive that you can open on the iOS or Mac, my suggestion for this, what I would do is create that template document and every time I want to use it, duplicate it in the files app or in Finder and then use the duplicated file. That's what I would do. Does that make sense? 
So you're not actually yeah. using any template feature. You're just copying a document every time. You just got a a, a, a template file mm-hmm. file that's just a regular file. Yeah, that's, and the that's what I, I do recommend for stuff it, like this. Is, yeah, it's because that's what I do. Right? I've never even thought about looking for a templates in pages because this just always made sense to me as the way to do it. Create the file, save it in Dropbox so like a bunch of people can access it if necessary, and then just duplicate it every time you want to use it. And that's really easy to do on iOS or the Mac. There's you know duplicate demand commands in the in the file browser. So that's what I would suggest. Okay, so uh, that is it for hashtag ask upgrade. So after this break, we are going to be talking about uh, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, you have been warned. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Pingdom. The reason Pingdom are awesome and the reason that I think they're awesome is because they help keep your sites, including mine, online because they will monitor your site so you don't have to. They're keeping an eye on things. And if something goes wrong, They'll give you real-time feedback so you'll know exactly what's going wrong and you can jump in and fix it so nobody will ever see that your website went down. Because stuff breaks on the internet all the time. Pingdom detects 13 million outages a month. Regardless of whether you have a small website, a huge website, or one in between, it is really important to monitor the availability and performance of it. Because why would you put something online if you didn't want it to be available to people, right? Like that's why it's there because you want people to come to the website. So if your site is down, you want to know about it as soon as possible. And that's what Pingdom does. All you need to do is give them the URL that you want to monitor and they will take care of the rest. You will be alerted in whatever way you choose, however you want if something goes wrong. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now and you can sign up for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then use the code UPGRADE at checkout and you will save a huge 30% of your first invoice. That is pingdom.com slash RelayFM and the code UPGRADE for 30% off your first invoice. So thanks to Pingdom for their support of this show and RelayFM. Fire the spoiler horn, Mike, later in editing. He will do, and he's doing it right now. So here it goes. Avengers Infinity War, Jason. Uh, I saw it on Saturday. Um, You saw it. When did you see the movie? Friday? I saw it Thursday night. Oh, look at you. Yeah, my Big daughter demanded guy. that we hey, that we see it awesome. on opening light. She had demanded it, and so we found a way to make it work because I was not going to turn down a teenager actually wanting, wanting to. First off, wanting to wanting to watch a a, a superhero movie. I'm gonna I want to you know approve and and uh, encourage those yes. sorts of uh, those sorts of feelings. And then you know presumably she would be seeing it with her parents, which again. I, I want to encourage uh, or take advantage of any time she's willing to yep. be around us. So yep. we yep. did. We went on that's Thursday. that's only going to decline, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, it's so. already, oh man, it's already <laughs> declined so so much. So yes, so we did. We did go on uh, on Thursday evening um, and and saw the movie. There is an incomparable flashcast, which went up last night, an incomparable episode 404, which just makes me laugh every time I see it. Um, I haven't listened to it because I want the one-on-one Snell opinion. So I sure. wait until afterwards. Okay. Um, I will mention before we get into talking about our thoughts on the movie itself, it is an, it's breaking all records right now. Um, it had a $250 million opening weekend in the US, which beats The Force Awakens. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm expecting, along with everybody else probably, that it will beat Force Awakens in everything and just become the best movie of all time in box office sales. Which makes sense, right? Like, it feels like the last 10 years would tell you that, yes, this should be the case, right? Like, Marvel have built this 
Empire, which is in some ways culminating with this and then the next movie, which is coming out, what is it, in May? Like, it's basically a year from now. It comes out in 2019. Because yeah. um, it's kind of like a two-parter, but not a two-parter in a way, right? Like, the story continues. I really like that no plot details, even the name is not out for that movie yet. Like, Marvel are super committed to keeping the end of Infinity War secret, and they're showing that, right? Like, they do not want people to know what happens at the end of this movie to the point that they have a movie coming out in a year that they haven't even told us what the name is yet. Like, they're very serious about this, and I understand, because if you spent 10 years working on something, like... You know, I mean, they haven't worked on this movie for 10 years, but it's this overall franchise, which after next year, apparently is going to change, right? Like in some ways, my expectation is new actors for some roles, right? And they do, you know. Or they're going to retire some roles, right? They'll kill some people off Mm -hmm. and then then they will continue with With the newer crop. Of, of with a new yeah a new set of a new set of heroes at some point they will probably have to either bring in like the here's the new whoever right but, uh, which works yeah. though right because it's like unlike i think a lot of these types of things it makes so much sense in comic books because that's what happens in comic books right there becomes a new thor like it is a new person who becomes right. the superhero so like it's totally in canon for them to be like oh tony stark is dead but here's Mary Sue, she is the new Iron person, right? Like yes, you well, know, no, like, they, they, they in fact, that. they yeah, they have not not only do they have James Rhodes, who's War Machine, who who was sometimes Iron Man, but they have uh, what is it? Oh, her name is Riri something or other, and she's Iron Heart, but she's basically a, a teenager who gets who is like Tony Stark's successor and takes you know and she's got her own Ooh, flying Iron suit Heart. And stuff. So I like that. that. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah I I'm not. They got options. I'm not very up to date on what happens, like in comic Riri books Williams anymore. Williams is her name. It's a, it's a relatively recent thing that they did. Okay, and she's that's probably a, why I don't she's know. an African American from a girl from Detroit. I want to say okay. somewhere in the Midwest, and uh, and designs her own suit and gets like advice from Tony Stark's people and stuff, and kind of becomes like a substitute uh, Iron person. So, so yeah, there's, I there's, think that they got lots of options, kind of and it's. Happen. Yeah, and at some point they'll you know they'll just kind of go away, and then there'll be a you know a, a future where they say, well, we're doing a new Iron Man movie with a new Iron Man. But I think that they got a long way to go before they get there. So one of the big things, one of the big questions around this movie was, how on earth do you deal with so many A-listers in one movie? Like, and I think that on the whole. They did a pretty good job. Now, I saw it with Adina, who has only very recently become interested in these movies. So, like, there are so many characters where she's like, who is that? Right? Like, Because yeah. she, she has no idea. She had no idea Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be in this movie. Right? Like, she has no idea who Doctor Strange is. Right? Like, she just doesn't know that character. But I think that they did. I think they did a pretty decent job of giving you all you needed to know about a specific character without a ton of exposition. And one of the ways they did this was like, Tony Stark meets Doctor Strange for the first time, right? And it's like, well, that is actually a very good way of dealing with that. Like, Tony Stark doesn't know who he is because I think maybe Doctor Strange isn't as popular, right? Like, I love that movie, but I don't think it was like well it definitely wasn't like black panther right right you know like it i think it did it did pretty well but like no one 
No, I don't really think it was a huge success. So I think in the places that they needed to, they filled in more information about either a superhero who isn't so well-known. Like, they don't bother with Spider-Man, right? Like, you get it. Like, you don't need to have seen the movie. You just know who that is. But And then, like, they didn't really bother with Black Panther because everybody saw that movie, right? Like, we're good. Like, everyone knows yep. about that now. So, like, I think that where they needed to, they did a good job. And I think that on the whole, they paired people up well. Um, and I think that they did, a, they did a pretty good job of dealing with a mammoth cast. Do you agree? Yeah, I agree. I think that... Um... I remember when the Avengers came out and our thought was like, how are they going to put six different or whatever, seven different superheroes in the same movie and have it make sense? That's, that's a, uh, that's asking too much to bring all these franchises together with this movie that is meant to join them all. Um, and I remember walking out of the Avengers thinking, wow, that was like way better than I, that given, given how hard it was because they had the mandate of like, you will bring all these characters together mm-hmm. that they managed to find a way to have it, to have it work. Well, this is like 10 times as, as difficult. And I think they did. Uh, I, my reaction is, is the same, which is, I think they found a way to do it where it's not uh, nonsensical. And in, in in this case, what they did was they split the story up into little parts. So it felt like a game of Thrones episode where you're just kind of cycling through four different storylines. And they took a lot of characters and didn't give them a lot to do and sort of had them in the climax yep. with a promise that they will appear because I read a couple articles that say this, that they w- the characters that you thought weren't in this movie a lot, that's because they're actually going to be in the next one. <laughs> and, and they right. kind of like balanced clear, it right? out because like who's yeah. left. They're the ones who survive the end of the movie. So, um, so, so that's that's one of the little cheats. Is sort of like, well, yeah, some of these characters really kind of show up toward the end. They're in a scene before that or two scenes, but they show up at the end and they fight in the big fight, and you can say that they're there. But then there are the ones that it spends a little more time with, um, and they're bouncing off of each other in unusual ways. So you put Spider-Man, Tony Stark, yeah. and Doctor Strange together, and that is fun. And you put Thor with the Guardians of the Galaxy, and that is Which fun. Which was just and, great. Like, yeah, like Thor and like Drax. It's funny yep. how their characters overlap in certain ways. That was really good. And then just like Star Lord trying to like be Thor. I think it wasn't like my favorite part of the whole movie was when those two entities met, like when the Guardians of the Galaxy yeah. and Thor met. Like that whole scene was hilarious. Like it was so good. It was I think everything I liked about both of those movies in that they are kind of silly. Like the characters are silly but not in a, like, wacky way. You know, like, the way they talk is really funny and the way they interact it. I really enjoyed that. I, and I also liked the team-up of Thor and Rocket Raccoon. Like, I thought that they worked so really good. well together as well. Like, th- there were a lot of Noble those Rabbit. <laughs> Noble Rabbit. Yeah, it was very... Like, in, you know, in Groot, like, Groot, Teenage Groot is hilarious, Groot. right? Like, I, I think that they did a good job with that. Um, do you know why, like, Ant-Man wasn't in this movie? Like... They reference yeah. the fact that he decided that he didn't want to be involved Ant- post Ant Man's not in this movie because there's an Ant Man movie coming out this summer. Okay. And I believe like the way that these movies were produced, Ant Man and Black Panther were both actually written after this movie was written. 
So there was some degree where with Ant-Man, they basically said, let's just leave our our hands off of Ant-Man because Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out this summer and it's presumably set before this movie. Yes. So the idea there is just like, let's get him out of the way of this big story because he's got a movie coming and we don't want to confuse people with like, well, wait, what about Ant-Man in the last movie? They're like, no, he's just not in that movie. Nobody's going to be confused. Everybody in this movie is just in the just in this movie and not in uh, Avengers. It's just in Ant-Man. And then Captain Marvel is the same way. There's one other movie between now and the next Avengers movie, the the sequel to this one. And that's Captain Marvel. And by all accounts, that's set in the 90s. So that's a flashback movie. So that'll set up Captain Marvel, who presumably will appear in the next Avengers movie. And we'll know who she is because we will have met her. It's teased at the end of this movie. Okay. I just just wanted wanted to check that you knew that. (laughs) Yeah. But it's very carefully... Very carefully, I think, structured where the next two Marvel movies don't address what happens at the end of this movie Mm -hmm. so that this movie can then uh, conclude in in next May. So, like, we may see Ant-Man in the next Avengers movie, maybe. 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 And and my, or maybe not. And if not, then this is my theory. My my theory is that there will be a post-credit sequence in Ant-Man that addresses what happens in this movie so that you watch Ant-Man and you're like, Oh, this happens before the other movie. It's fine. And then at the end you'll be like, Oh, and there the other movie happened. And now, now we wonder about the characters in the Ant-Man movie and what happened to them too, right? which okay. will again continue. And then presumably the Captain Marvel movie will have a, an end a credits tag <laughs> where she gets the beeper from Nick Fury uh-huh. and then they'll go into the next movie. So I, I think it's all been structured that way. What do you think about Marvel's new strategy of two movies in two months? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, they want to do it's 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 interesting. I, I wonder about their releases like Black Panther. They released so early. And then this movie, they really released early. This is, you know, it used to be these were in deep in the summer and the summer just keeps creeping forward mm-hmm. to now it's in late April and, and Black Panther came out in February and they still have Ant-Man and the Wasp to come. And then nothing in because Captain the... Marvel is due for March, and then the next Avengers yeah. movie is due for May, right? So it's like it's like the same, yeah. the same thing again. It depends. I, I don't know. I mean, release dates have to do with what the competition is and when they think they can make their money. I think what Marvel's shown is they can make their money anytime. So I, I, yeah. I don't even. I don't uh, even. I mean, honestly, may... I think at this point it's just Disney pacing themselves out, right? That could like, be. That could they, be. You know, they they probably. I'm expecting that they brought the Avengers forward because of Solo. And yeah, they I'm, wanted a bit that, of space that, between those. That may be. Remember, Solo was originally supposed to be later, yeah. I think. Or no, it, it, it moved. No, uh, the last Star Wars movie moved later and Solo stayed put. So it's this Star Wars movie that's not coming out at Christmas. I'm a little surprised that they, they didn't slot the next Avengers movie to come out this this winter. Because they shot it all together. So I'm a little surprised that they're making us wait a year and that they didn't put out like part yeah. two in, in but, November well, or something even like, like that. Or even like leave this one to December and keep the other one at May. Right. Like to make them shorter yeah. together. I, to make, yeah. Knowing it was a two parter, I was surprised when I looked it up after the movie and was like, oh, it's a year. Like that was a surprise to me. I, I, I've thought that we were going to get made because I, you know, I was thinking, well, there isn't a Star Wars at Christmas. So I assumed yeah, that Harry, there would be the second Avengers movie at Christmas. Harry Potter was about six or seven months between part one yeah. and part two of and Deathly like the Hallows. Hunger Games, I think, was pretty similar too. Like I think yeah. a lot of the movies where they do them in these distinct like two parters, they they kind of 
they pull them a little bit closer together. Um, yeah. What did you think of the story overall? Like, did you find it simple to follow? Did you kind of have a grasp of what everything was going on? Yeah. Because it's a lot of intermingling stories. I think they kept it simple. Um, there's a the plot is relatively simple because they set people on these individual paths and they all have kind of something they're trying to do and you follow them. So I think that's easier to track. The joy of it is in the the details, right? The dialogue. There are a lot of really funny lines where characters are are behaving in ways that are familiar to us as people who've watched Marvel movies before. We know, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, and they behave this way, and we know Thor he behaves this way. We know how Spider Man and Iron Man work, and so that leads to a lot of funny dialogue. But they're also just fairly straightforward in terms of like. Thor and Rocket are going to go find the forger of the great weapons and Doctor Strange uh, is being rescued by Iron Man and Spider-Man um, and then they they sort of change their destination and uh, you know the the rest of them are like let's meet in Wakanda because they're trying to kill the Vision and they're, they're, you, you've got your and then the other um, obviously other guardians are going to uh, find uh, the gem that Thanos has already taken and so you get your you get your little pieces of of what's going on um and i felt there were i as somebody who watches game of thrones where they take the four storylines and run them in parallel all the time that's what episodes of game of thrones are like it didn't bother me i felt like this was look this is this is not a movie in some ways it's something different it is a continuation of an ongoing storyline it's two and a half hours long in a different world with different economics, potentially this is a TV show or it's a series of movies with the individual storylines. But instead, they just kind of have to tell this whole story in a, in a load or two loads. And so they just kind of jam it all in together. So I thought I thought it was clear enough that you could keep track of like, oh, these people are doing this. These people are doing this. We can move between them fairly seamlessly and i thought they handled that well i thought that in the end like thanos is his goals are simplified in some ways but you know what he's a comic book supervillain. they do as much as they can to make him a character you uh feel has some depth especially in his feelings for gamora um and that's useful but his overarching plan is really just i'm gonna get these stones and i'm gonna get the MacGuffin, and then i'm gonna kill everyone or half of everyone and he's got a speech and you understand why he's motivated to do that even though if you're all powerful you could also just make more food for everybody you wouldn't necessarily have to kill people but he's a death cultist so mm-hmm. thanos is gonna thanos um but uh, it was clear enough. Like, again, I, I really appreciate the thought that went into this story. There are a few places where they kind of like go, uh, look over there, right? Like there's something that's really expedient. But mostly they, they know they're very careful to get everybody on the same page, moving in the right direction, tell enough of the villain so you understand his motivation so that what, by the time you get to the end, you understand what you're seeing. And I think they did a pretty good job with all of that. My only real complaint is that the, um, I thought the, the Wakanda fight scene was a little bit too over the top in that they're like the, the alien the, dog the, thing, the space. Totally we called them on, on the incomparable. We called them like space orcs. Cause it's yeah. basically a Lord of the Rings fight at that point. There's just a giant horde of orcs that come through the force field. And even though you've got, uh, you know, war machine capable of bombing them all, um, everybody sort of immediately goes to hand-to-hand combat because that's what the movie wants you to see is is cool fight scenes involving these people on the ground. Yeah. But I, I, it felt a little too Star Wars Episode One to me. I didn't really love that part of it. Even though there's some good stuff in there, it felt like um, 
unnecessary think, to have it be on that scale at yeah, the end of the movie. I, th- I think the problem was that if, if they were ever going to go to Wakanda, they needed an army to fight because Wakanda has an army, right? Like you couldn't just have the two yeah. aliens arrive because the Wakandan army would just overwhelm them. Like that had yeah, but to be I was something. Kinda- I was kind of hoping that like the Wakandan army would defend against the against the the space orcs or whatever, while the superpowered uh, children of Thanos like did their direct assault on where they were keeping the vision. And that's not really what we got. You know, they sure. they they you know they could have waved it away a little bit more. It just felt to me like something that they felt was obligatory. Like this is the obligatory giant climactic fight that's a spectacle that's got lots of different moving parts. It is their way of getting those characters who did not get a lot of screen time to at least get their little fight moment or laugh moment. There's a great the great moment where um where uh, Groot says, I am Groot, and uh, Captain America says, I am Steve Rogers. Yeah, <laughs> it's good. like, very I'm nice. pleased they took you. a break in the Helpful. fighting to give me that moment because yep. I enjoyed it. It seemed completely yep. unnecessary, but I loved it. But it was very funny, yeah. This whole movie builds to the ending, right? Like, the whole thing yep. is based around this ending where all of a sudden, half of the world's population, I assume, but all we see is half of the superheroes... Right, disappear. But it's half of the universe just yeah. Uh, dissolve. Yeah. So, I mean, of course there are, of course there are myriad ways that this could be reversed in the next movie. Like that's what you we will assume the next movie yes. is about is like the the way that you reverse this because uh, Spider Man is dead and uh, I re- I really doubt uh, yeah. Spider Man. Uh, Spider Man, all the Guardians of the Galaxy, yeah. and and Black Panther are all dead. Yeah. I, that was the moment I saw a piece today by the science fiction writer, John Scalzi, where he was complaining that, um, the movie's impact is undercut by the fact that we know commercially these characters aren't going to stay dead. Yeah. I, I think this was a deliberate attempt by the screenwriters to show you, to, to make you know that they're not going to stay dead by okay. choosing some of the highest profile characters. And maybe that's me reading too much into it, but like I think that's choosing point, the highest. It, yeah. it, when Spider-Man, like they could have kept Spider-Man around other than the fact that they probably don't want him in the next movie. That's what the other thing that's going on here. The people who get dissolved at the end of this movie, one of the reasons is because those aren't characters they want in the next movie. You'll notice all the original Avengers are alive because they want that last Avengers movie to really be about yeah, the, Avengers. the Avengers. Yeah, the Avengers saving the day probably and maybe sacrificing some themselves. of them, yes sacrificing exactly themselves right. to to bring them right back. but i read that black panther and spider-man and all that is also the movie saying because look the, the the key moment in this movie is when dr strange says oh i just went in time and looked at all the possible futures and there's only one where we win and then at some point he says to tony and he says and here thanos you can have the time gem and he says to tony um it had to be this way before he dissolves that is the movie saying this is all going dr strange saw the way they win he has a plan and he has steered them to that reality and that and they are going to win the question is how who will pay but it's very clear from that and the fact that these are these high profile characters that we've just gotten to know that are not going to go out by dissolving that you know so i was okay with it i get if you're somebody who is not thinking on that level and you're just purely in that moment that it's super sad because like that scene where spider-man is telling tony that you know he doesn't want to go he's just a kid under tony's under 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 tony's uh supervision (laughs) and responsibility and he and he dissolves right it's 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 a really tough scene but at the same time 
same and 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 losing Black Panther same way losing T'Challa is very sad except that really it's like yeah but in fact I chuckled a little bit because I was like oh okay you're not even going to try to convince us that these are permanent you're just you're just going to pick them all off and and as a viewer who knows a little bit about how successful these characters are I was like oh all right you know, you're not, you're not, I, I kind of tip my cap at that. Like, I appreciate that you're not even trying to convince us that like, oh no, no, most of the Guardians of the Galaxy are dead because once you kill off Black Panther and Spider-Man, we know you're not serious. Were there any other emotional moments for you? I would say for me, um, when Thanos stabs Tony Stark, I, that really yeah. got me because I, I went into this movie expecting Iron Man would die. That, that, that feels like real. That feels like real jeopardy. That feels yeah. like real jeopardy there. And I, I think that there are a lot of things that happen before Thanos snaps his fingers that will not be undone. I think there will be deaths that, uh, like Loki, is a good example where yeah, you, Gamora. In, in fact, they hang a lantern on it where where mm-hmm. uh, Thor says, um, you know, he's died before and come back, but I think it's different this time. Yeah, Loki's uh, gone. Gamora Loki's maybe, gone. although uh, there's an argument to be made that she's in the Soul Gem, and so that she could potentially be brought back oh, out of that. Because it's like an exchange. If they destroy the soul gem, she might come back. Right. Okay. Right. Or somebody else goes in or who knows what it is. In the comics, the soul gem is its own little world, but who knows what they'll do in the movies. I, so, I thought that they were writing her out because of Avatar. She's an Avatar, right? Yeah, she was in the... I don't know if she's in all the Avatar movies that they're making now. Okay. It's possible. That would be a tough... Guardians of the Galaxy will not be as good if... Uh, Gamora's not in it though I because agree with that you. that relationship with with uh, with Peter Quill is important to that series. So we'll see. I I honestly don't know that one because but I have I have questions about those and I do believe that some people are going to sacrifice themselves in the next movie, per, you know, permanent death kind of thing in order to bring back right. the universe. Those but are what the stakes are. It's more likely the people that we've seen for the last ten years, right? So we'll probably lose exactly. Tony Stark. We'll probably lose Steve Rogers. I don't think it's yeah. going to be all of them though. I I, I think no. that would be really weird. I I think a couple of those characters might stick around you know i don't like, think the hulk i don't think the hulk is going away yep um but you know it's possible like the black widow will go away hawkeye everybody wants to kill hawkeye because he's not that interesting oh, he wasn't but i do even think in the that movie it, right yeah he at, wasn't he was the other one yeah at its core it's it's steve uh, it's about steve and tony and those guys have been making these movies a long time so probably they're going to get some resolution of their stories yeah. one way or another in this as as sacrifices or they're going to go off and you'll be like we've learned all we need to know about that guy we're not going to see that guy again i also so that's, believe that's that they're time. like playing in the press with this so there, there is a term in professional oh, sure. wrestling it's called a- kayfabe where you build a fake story in the real world to support the stories that are happening on tv yeah and i think a lot of discussions everyone's like oh well you know i saw the interview with um Chris, what's his name? Uh, not Evans. Ellsworth. Evans. And he's like, oh, I'm not going to do these movies anymore. I, I feel like you could quite easily say that even if you have a contract with oh, sure. otherwise, right? Like to build the yep. idea of his character's going to die. Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, they don't have Chadwick Boseman out there saying, yep, there'll never be another Black Panther movie because I'm <laughs> dead now. <laughs> Single tear. Like I, it was but, so good for one movie. Sorry, and uh, but it's unfortunately, not, it's too bad. We I can't, have no contract. But, Marvel hate me. <laughs> yeah, I upset it's, just a, it's a shame. <laughs> they really regret it now, but they had to do it, right? It's like, that's no, that's not. Man. That's that's exactly right. So I think that 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 is what's going on. I think, um, I think once enough time passes that 
people know what happens in this movie because right now we're still clearly in the spoiler zone that that um we will start to get that next ground you know groundswell of like well what does happen next and did you notice this and what's going to go on with this and they, they will start that but they're not at that point yet because they want everybody to experience this kind of shocking ending and it was very affecting like like jamie was crying in the car Mm-hmm. Um, she was crying in the theater and crying in the car on the way home was very upset. And the next day she was still very upset about everybody dying. I love that um, she feels that much about these characters. Yeah. That's awesome. That I great? think that's really great. I think that's awesome. You did good there, Jason. And I don't think it's going to be, and people are like, oh, well, it's a cheat because they can bring everyone back. And it's like, yeah, but the, th- the thing is, again, I think it's clear that th- they're going to have the ability to bring people back. This movie, as well as the Doctor Strange movie, show that winding time, backward is a thing that you can do this movie goes to the trouble of actually showing that you can do that to remind you that that's a thing in this universe so very clearly they're going to find a way to wind time back and undo the very end of this movie the question is going to be at what cost and i think that's an interesting question and i think that will lead to more emotional moments and more sacrifices and more death and and sadness that will and goodbyes to characters Mm -hmm. that we know yeah my expectation is like they they wind it back to what we just saw, right? Like they go on a big quest to find Thanos yep. and somehow get the gauntlet from him or whatever. Like maybe Thor, Thor, we've seen Thor can kill him. If he tries hard enough, he can kill him, right? Thor is the one. I really right. like that they chose that as well because like Thor is the only conceivable character at full power, right? That has been built right. over this period of time that could be in a position to do this. Well, like, and he's, he's got like the, the magic hole magic uh enhanced godlike yeah. kind of capability right, right. so it's and like got, you know of course right like of course you can um and Thanos and says you should have gone for the head so maybe he goes for the head next that's, time that's it right like so i assume he will do that but that battle to get like the, when they do they redo the battle right when when he comes in and they're trying to get rid of vision the way that they fight that scene will result in the deaths in combat of specific characters is the way that i expect it will happen i I think it will be even more kind of uh, more than that i think there will be like prices to pay like the soul gem is a good example where you have to make a sacrifice to get the soul gem right like that so the the doctor strange mystical land right like someone makes like what is the character in spider-man is it mother m like in the what is that like that zone that he goes to sometimes and he's like hanging out in this like other reality he comes, oh yeah yeah you know? i know what you mean the, like, that like the web thing the web world yeah kind yeah. of thing yeah like that you know like they might start to dabble with stuff like that maybe i don't yeah. know right like cuz you like these characters go there they make the sacrifice for the other characters which allows them to da, 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 right like yeah exactly and that's the, and that's the joy of this and that's why I, I i thought that this was a great movie and i thought that it had a great ending like i like i like having the bad guy win one time because you're like oh my god they uh, we you went against yeah, our expectations which point. is that you the would, bad guy you would won. You, that never happens. the bad guy wins the last shot is that the bad guy is sitting down uh, looking at the sunrise Chilling. and smiling because he, he killed half the universe his yeah. happy ending like he asked for he that did. earlier in the movie all i want is to sit and watch the sunrise knowing i've done my my thing and he got that and and he gets it right so the second movie the, que- the question there is then the joy is in finding out how they undo what happened mm-hmm. and that of course because it, it's just like um if you if you think it's a cheat i mean like a tv show where the lead character is put in jeopardy it's like you know the lead, you know they're not gonna die right you know they're not gonna die 
the 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 fun the entertainment is in how they get out of it well that's what the case is with the, this movie and the next one is how do they get out of this one and the sacrifices i think the other good thing about it is the scale is so huge it's half of the living creatures in the universe have died right that was what he did so your sacrifice is not just for your friends it's not like, well, you know, I want to bring Doctor Strange back. I want to bring Spider-Man back. It is that, but it's also the whole universe, right? Like there is there is no question that you would do anything to undo the thing that just happened because it's on a scale never before seen. And so how do, what decisions do you make? What interesting adventures do you have? How do you fight somebody who has the power of a god or the gods? And, uh, you know, they will... They will figure that out, and that will be an entertaining movie. And presumably at the end, they will um, make the sacrifices necessary to give us the big happy ending that we were denied this year, which I think is fun. I think it's a bold move from them. I really appreciate that Marvel made a movie that has a downer ending. Uh, that That is, you know, they're, they're risk takers, and I love it. And they did it with their biggest franchise, which I think is pretty cool. And in the end, I think it will make the satisfaction of the next movie that much more. Yeah. The people are, who are grumpy and grumbly about now. Yeah. That's right. But next year, they, you know, we'll get the, Thanos will get his uh, comeuppance, presumably. It's way better they did this than like leave it on a cliffhanger, right? Because the movie could have ended with him clicking his fingers. Right, like that could have been the end of the movie. Exactly. Or it could have just been everybody lined up against Thanos and he's like, uh, and, and standing between him and the Vision. He's like, I want that vi- that thing in the Vision's head. And they're like, oh, you're going to have to come through us. Dun, 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 con- to be mm-hmm. continued next year. It's not what they did. Because both of those are satisfying endings in their own right, right? Like they, you know, you're like, oh, I can't wait for the next one, right? Doing its actual job, right? Like if you see one of those two things we just posed, you're going to be like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens in the kind of typical way. But this is like, oh no, wait, you're going to watch half of your favorite characters turn into dust slowly, right? Like they didn't even all happen at once, right? Like you were watching the Guardians go one by one, right? Like there's like a five minute scene of you watching people die, right? And, And the reactions of the people around them who are left. And that is incredibly powerful, right? Like it was like I came out of that the theater and I was like, I don't even know if I like that movie. <laughs> it's kind of how I felt initially was like, I don't know how I feel because it was super sad. And I would say that like on reflection, this isn't my favorite Marvel movie. It's probably in my top five. It's not my favorite Avengers movie. The original Avengers, I think I, I enjoyed more just because like that movie should never have happened. And like, and if you were enjoying yeah. that stuff, then it was like how, you know, like it was so impactful um, but I, I really, really like this movie a lot, like a lot. And it, it is going to rank very highly for me um, in my kind of overall rankings of, which do a draft one day, of uh, Marvel movies. But it's not, <laughs> it's not, it's not like, to, I don't think it's top three for me. Um, but, but I did really, really like it. It exceeded my expectations, I would say. Yeah, I don't know where to rank it either, but I liked it a lot. I feel like the everybody gets together movies are just need to be judged separately. So Avengers, Age of Ultron, Civil War, and this movie are like they're different movies from the all the other movies. These are the coalescing. You know, you really need to know who these characters are from other movies for it to really work. I think, um, and they have a higher degree of difficulty to make them because you got to keep track of all these characters. So they fit in there, and and where it ranks in there. 
I don't know. Uh, that's worth thinking about. I'm, I'm planning on revisiting all of these movies. This this is as good a place as any, I guess, to make a mm-hmm. a uh, a minor announcement, which is if you like listening to people talk about Marvel movies, I am toying with it's not a hundred percent set in stone but i am thinking seriously about having this summer's um run of the incomparable be the summer of marvel where we uh we cover every marvel movie that we have not yet covered on the show and there are a lot of them so it Mm -hmm. will take all summer and as part of that i also want to do some revisiting of the avengers movies i think you should do all of them like well we've done we've done some of them already different panels so so well, I don't know. I mean, also the summer isn't that isn't that long, but there are, there are some there are some movies like I want to do Iron Man and Iron Man two. I want to do Thor and Thor two. I don't mm-hmm. like Thor two. I want to I want to talk about the first Captain America movie, which we never did an episode about, which I love. Okay, you've got um, a lot of really important ones to do. Ant Man, Doctor Strange, Thor Ragnarok. Haven't talked about any of those. So maybe um, I could finally make my first incomparable appearance. In one of those. Mm, that would be nice. Imagine that. Imagine maybe that. so. I hope you do that. There's a lot in there. You, you don't need to do revisits. You've got a lot of really... I didn't even know you hadn't covered some of those like oh, initial yeah, see? ones. So there's a lot to go. You should totally do it. It'd be fun. It'd be fun. Chronologically, yeah, I think it'd be so. great. I'd love Summer that. Marvel. Theincomparable.com. That's where you can find all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I think we both really like this movie. Um, enough that I'm going to see it again. I'm going to see it again. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I am too. Hey, we should go uh, see it together. That would be great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't and if you be? want to find the show notes for this week's episode, go to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 191. I want to thank Pingdom, PDF Pen 10, and Simple Contacts for their support of this show. If you want to find Jason online, go to uh, at jsnell on Twitter and sixcolors.com. Uh, I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Goodbye, everybody.